Hello, everybody. This is the Insurance Disruptors podcast and a podcast built for you, the agent. My name is Nate Jones. I'm one of the co-hosts here at the Insurance Disruptors. And we also have Abe Busick, who is also a co-host. And we have a special guest today for you, Daniel Pig, the founder and CEO of the Sycamore Winery, the founder and CEO of Big Leap Brewing, the founder and CEO of Pig Properties and previous insurance agency owner, and my friend, my mentor, Daniel Pig. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, for having me today. I'm excited to talk insurance and uh, maybe a little wine, maybe a little beer and uh, transition. Yeah. Well, thanks for being on. We're, uh, we're excited to have you. And sounds like you've been busy. It's, it's, uh, I see you all over the place, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, it's been a number of years, Nate, and you mentioned kind of mentor, but you know, I consider you a, a, a close friend and enjoyed my time. We got to spend together here on campus at Indiana State University. Um, but yeah, I've been busy. I've been jumping around. I work with a lot of uh, startup companies, with a lot of established businesses on growing and scaling. And, um, and, and then I work on my own ventures, which is always uh, fun as well. So uh, I'm excited to, to talk today about scaling a little bit too. And that's something that, that we had touched on before. So that'll be an interesting one to, uh, to, to chat with. Yeah. Before we get too far, I just got to ask you, man, <clears throat> at the end of Monday night's game, how much money did you lose betting on the Colts? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, uh, it, it's one of those crazy things where uh, I get very little time to watch games anymore. And um, most, of the, most of the content I watch is uh, family focused. I've got a, a little eight-year-old and a, and a 12-year-old. And um, I mean, they dominate in any time that we have TV time, they get a, they get a dominant that. And I, I have the second seat there So uh, where I may be like the captain of the ship in some areas of life. I'm definitely not in that one. <laughs> I understand. I have a three-year-old and it seems like now all we watch is Coco Melon. And that's uh, right. Have, that's so. right. <laughs> but awesome. Well, I say we jump right in here. And uh, if you don't mind, um, Daniel, we kind of just wanted to start with, your insurance background. So our listeners are either going to be agents or agency owners um, or heading towards one of those for the most part. Sure. I love that we're going to talk winery because I believe the principles of success are universal. So like if it works in the winery business, there's a good chance it'll transfer to the insurance yeah, business. Absolutely. Um, but we kind of wanted to hear your background first of insurance. You can talk a little bit about why you got into it and uh, what that looked like for you, how long you were in for it. And uh, we'll just go from there, if that's okay with you. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I'm probably one of the few guys I, I consider myself an insurance nerd. I really love it. You know, I like reading policies and in uh, coverages. I'm reading about claims, but I actually got into it um, really by default. I was um, I was 16 years old. I got a driver's license. And a friend of mine uh, brought up to me that his mom was uh, the office manager of a local insurance agency and the owner of that agency is a quadriplegic and needed a driver. So, uh, you know, I, I went in, I told her I was interested and, you know, I was probably the first person there and why I got the job. I'm assuming it definitely wasn't based on qualifications or ability to drive, but um, so, so early on, I became the, um, really the, like the right and left-hand man of this agency owner, um, that, that had no ability to use his arm legs. So, 
you know, I would, I would drive to his house. Um, I would get his, we had a large 12 passenger van that we had customized. Um, I would go in, I would pick him up in his, in his wheelchair. I would load him up and I'd take him into the office. And then, uh, you, you know, back then the technology wasn't an advanced, you know, normally when we were turning up proposals or submitting stuff, uh, he was, he was talking and I was typing. And if we made copies, I was doing the copying. Uh, we went out to meetings. Uh, I was the one that would push him in, uh, bring him up to the table, hand out proposals, listen to those proposals a thousand times. And that's how I got into insurance and really got to know insurance. And, um, <clears throat> and so this gentleman kind of became my, my mentor. And uh, he talked to me, we talked insurance, but we talked life a lot on if you can imagine the, the number of, of uh, road hours we had driving and, and loading and, and even things like lunch that we really take for granted, probably you and I, we think, well, we get up and we have lunch. Uh, you know, my mentor was David Tatum. He couldn't do that. So, you know, if we were out and we were going to lunch, um, you know, we'd go to IHOP or a place like that. He eat very soft foods, uh, say like such as pancake, but, you know, I would cut them up and feed him. And, um, so I got to be very good friends, very close with this gentleman. And he really, um, you know, he, he kind of talked to me about there being math and insurance and being jobs and a number of great jobs. And he encouraged me to, uh, you know, to, to go to that at ISU. And, and so that's what I did at, at Indiana state university. I'm probably also one of the few people that went into insurance and actually took insurance classes, which I did. And I did insurance and criminology and business management. Those were, uh, that was my, my, uh, my path at Indiana State University. Um, and David let me know upon graduation, I had a job at the agency, but he really encouraged me to go to a bigger market and experience a big shop so I could see something other than what I knew at small independent agency. And I did. Uh, so, so upon graduation, I went and worked for uh, what, what was what, what now is uh, still the the largest privately owned insurance uh, brokerage in in the world, which is Lockton Companies, and um, was out in Kansas City for about two and a half years. Really, really sharp individuals. I loved my time there. Got to know uh, policies on a deep level. Uh, got to meet a lot of individuals that were just tremendously talented in insurance, and uh, really helped me out. Um, and and that was my start in in in. And uh, it was really, again, just by default, I was in the right place at the right time. Someone said, you got a driver's license. And it happened to be the agency owner that I was driving. Yeah, it's interesting. Almost everybody I know in the industry, I've been in for about four and a half years. Nobody ever grows up dreaming, saying they want to be an insurance agent, right? It's almost always by default. But then the ones who get into it and excel at it, they never want to do anything else. Most sure. And sure. I can definitely, definitely understand that. Um, Nate, did you want to jump into the next question? Um, yeah, next so is what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> so you were in Kansas City for two and a half years, and then you transitioned back to Terre Haute. And uh, uh, I think I remember you said you wanted to be by family, and then there was an opportunity to buy into an agency, correct? Yeah, you're 100% correct. So, you know, I went out to, to Kansas City. I was there two and a half, three years. Uh, it, while I was working, I did my graduate uh, work at University of Missouri. And uh, I opportunity. Well, I, let me let me go back. I, I had um, at the time kind of a pressing family need where I felt like I needed to come home, and and I did. I made that choice that I wanted to leave that company, which I really really liked and liked the individuals, liked my position, liked what I was doing. Uh, but it was the right decision for me to come home closer to family, and and so I did that. 
uh, went to work for uh, largest bank-owned agency in Indiana at the time, which was uh, owned by Old National Bank. And um, there, I, I was there about three years, and then I had an opportunity to buy an independent agency. And so I did that, um, and uh, that also kind of happened by chance. I was I was working out one day uh, at a dim, and, and I met an individual, and, and his father had owned the agency. He worked there. He talked to me about, hey, are you interested in um, maybe partnering up, buying out this agency? I don't want to do it on my own. And he knew I was in insurance. And uh, so that's kind of what we, we just sparked a conversation. And I think within a couple of weeks of that conversation, we sat down and tried to hammer out some detail on how we could buy this agency from his father at the time and, uh, and transition it over the next several years. Wow. And with your time there, um, I, I know Nate has talked a lot about you um, and your mentorship. What was your largest year in like premium revenue that you were able to grow that independent agency to, if you don't mind sharing? Gosh, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I don't know what our best, I, I don't know that I could tell you what my year was, to be honest. Uh, you know, we, we, we had years where, and again, we were, um, you know, we're in the Terre Haute, Indiana market. We're not a giant market with uh, definitely not million dollar accounts on every corner. But, you know, we, we'd have years if, if we would add, you know, 70, 80,000 in, in revenue, that's, that's a, a great year for agency. And, and, and I say that you should, you, you should take that with, with knowing, you know, we were four to five employees at the time. And, and so growth like that really, really helped. Um, and also when you have good years, those contingency bonuses that kick in really helped, especially on a small agency side. That's, uh, that just kind of icing on the cake too of, of, uh, you know, to the, the, the kind of the prod to, to, uh, produce more and, and to produce good business, uh, have positive relationships with the companies. So we had some good years. We also had years where and I think everybody has these um, where you can get complacent and and you're you're not motivated. Um, you're not making the calls. You're not work pipeline, things like that. I think we've all experienced that. We probably sat down and just kind of said to ourselves, hey, I need to commit. Um, I, I'm, I'm no exception. To that. I know I've experienced where I just said, what have I been doing lately? Like, what have I I've been doing to, to move forward? So we had good years. We had uh, some sort of times, too, but. All in all, we still grew uh, every year over the time that I was here. And I, 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 I was there about a, a little over eight years before I sold uh, sold my ownership in that company. I got you. Yeah, we like to call those learning years. I've definitely been there myself where one year you're up, you, you think you've arrived, maybe you let your foot off the gas and you get to the end of the next year. You're like, what in the world happened? Absolutely. It's easy to do. It's yep. easy to do. My complacency happened. That's what happened. So. <laughs> but yeah, let's jump in. Nate. Let's talk about the other business ventures here as well. And then we'll yeah, so when you when you sold, so you sold out and then what was your transition at post agency all the way up to what you're doing now? Because I worked for uh, Daniel when I was in college. We helped uh, small businesses. I don't know if you want to talk about that because I was I learned a lot doing that and I appreciate you giving me a job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, what I should say is, uh, I, I said before, I'm an insurance nerd, and I love the industry. Um, you know, over the years, you get to—I I, I got to meet so many people that I'm, I'm still friends with today. Uh, India has 55,000 insurance shops. 55,000—it's unbelievable. Uh, a lot of great jobs, uh, great opportunities for advancement, growth, great opportunities for financial, uh, good financial income, and um, 
so when my plan and my agency should say my, my original plan was I wanted to build up that agency and keep growing and acquire more agencies. I really wanted to acquire more agencies. That was the path I was looking at to say, if we're going to grow, how are we going to do it? And how do we scale this up? And for me, it was, let's identify agencies that are out there. And the average agent was over 60 years old at the time, average small agency owner, uh, actually closer to 65. So there's tremendous opportunity to buy these agencies. Um, what happened is what happens in business sometimes. And I had a partner in that business. We had disagreements over some basic fundamental things. And uh, what it boiled down to at the end of the day was um, the decision I had to make was, um, what are you going to do? Are you going to stay in this agency or are you going to sell it? And if you stay in it, you have to know what's going on and you have to be uh, um, really accommodating to that and almost okay with it. And some of the things that were gone, I wasn't okay with. Uh, it wasn't up to my standards. Um, I didn't feel like some of the things were uh, were morally right. And so I chose to walk away and uh, and, and I sold uh, my, my stock and my ownership in that company. I didn't want to do it. I don't feel like it was the best financial decision. Uh, I felt like I left me on the table. Um, and probably the biggest thing was I, I, I felt like I, I really lost like who I was at that point because that's what I did my whole life. I did insurance from the age of 16 um, on. So it was really like a, a tough, dramatic time. Uh, what I found during that time too, and, and I think this is important for everyone, whether you stay in insurance or you don't, but um, what I'd done up to that point was I really associated the person I was and my identity with insurance. And it was really not the right thing to do. You know, I was in insurance from when I was 16, like I said, and so that's all I knew. Everything I identified with was insurance, you know, and, and I didn't think there was anything else outside insurance that I could do or I wanted to. Um, really not a good outlook. I should never have had that outlook and looking back, it's easy to see, but, um, you know, I'm a husband, I'm a father, um, you know, I socialize when I'm outside of things. So insurance, while, while it, it was a big part of my life, it wasn't, it's, and it still isn't who I am. I mean, I'm, I'm still Daniel the person and I still like to do a million different things. So, um, what that forced me to do is reevaluate who I was, uh, what I could do. And in some twisted world, I went to academia and I went to Indiana State University. Um, that my job here was to work with startup companies and to be a mentor and then to work on some university initiatives from a business standpoint. So that's what I started doing there. And that's where I met Nate, uh, actually, and, and uh, some awesome students that went on to do really cool things. Um, and, and that was in 2015, actually, that, that I did that. I will say prior to that, I had six months of probably the roughest transition you can imagine from being an agency owner mm. to where I went to. It was a tremendously stressful, hard time in my life, knowing that I didn't have a reason to get up to go to the office. Um, you know, I didn't have a pipeline of clients to call. I didn't have meetings to go to. It was, uh, while it may sound great, like, oh, you sold your stock, you, you walked away with a check. It was a horrible, horrible time in my life where I was figuring out what I was doing. It was sleepless nights. It was, again, evaluating who I was and, and what I thought I was for and, and why I thought I was here on this earth and, and things like that. So a bigger picture, you know, I, I went back to work, great decision. Um, but also I, during that time, I kind of formulated a plan for what I wanted to do with 
my, my own life and businesses and maybe growing some different businesses. And that's where the idea for the Sycamore Winery came in. Uh, the brewery came as an afterthought later, but um, my wife and I wanted to start something that was ours and build something that would be kind of legacy building and build it on our principles, not with partner, just on our own, uh, see what we could build and create something that was really cool. It's the exact same as building an agency. We live by the same principles. You know, we're small, uh, well, we're, we're a fairly large winery, um, uh, I would say, for the state of Indiana. But, you know, by, by number of employees, we have maybe 25 employees or so. But we're still a relatively small company, uh, right? We still um, do every function in a company. Uh, we live uh, and treat our employees like they're family. And I believe you, you should. And, uh, and I think it's the right thing to do. Uh, but also we, we go by, you know, a set of our own rules that you treat people right and they'll stay with you just like an insurance. Um, you give people a good experience, mm -hmm. they'll stay with you and they'll tell your friends, their friends about you. And they'll also become your, your, your clients in, in the world of insurance. In our world, they become our, our clients as well, right? They, they have weddings with us. Uh, they host events with us. Uh, they come back for wine tastings. They write rave reviews about us on Facebook and Google and TripAdvisor and all these things, everything that helps a business grow. Uh, it's the same principles, whether it's wine or, or it's insurance. It's that experience you give somebody. And that's what I found, too, when we went into this, like this deep rabbit hole of, of the world of wine and events. It's, it's the same thing. There's, there's no difference in what we're doing or how I treat somebody whether I was their agent and friend or whether I'm behind the, the counter talking to them at a glass of wine and, and make a million friends, um, then that's just a little bit bigger now with, with, with the winery. That's the only difference. Yeah. And I love what you said there back to when you were transitioning out. Um, Cause I really, I really resonate with that. Like my, my history is I was with a, a certain, my, I call it my practice company um, for about four or four and a half years and built an agency there and kind of the same thing. Some things just were starting to happen that I couldn't agree with and couldn't get on board with. And I was forced to make that decision, right? Do I step away or do I just put up and shut up, right? Because I can't keep talking about it. It is what it is. And I made the right. decision to walk away. And I remember telling my wife, like, there's this weird loss of identity now um, to where you're just trying to refigure out. And so I love that you touched on that because that's so relevant um, what, for people, you know, because the insurance world can be all consuming. Um, right to where that does become who you are and it's all you live and breathe and before you know you isolate your friends your family and all yeah. these other things that you were created to do <laughs> um, yes. in life and I love that you touched on that so um, Nate you know, know it's very easy I, I'll throw this out there it's it's very easy just in if you think of your own conversation with individuals normally the first thing you do is is if you sit someone next to uh, you know on a plane or at a restaurant or anything what is it that you and that's your question to them. And, and that really, uh, while it's great uh, conversation starter, it's not what a person is. So um, whether you're an agent or not, and, and that's great that, that you, you both are, um, it's not who you are. Like in, in life, you have some bigger things going on. It's a part of who you are and what you do. And it's a part of your identity, but definitely not the biggest part of, of what you or why you're here um, on this earth for sure. So uh, during that, those times, that, that tough transition, you know, I think it's easier to look at and say like, okay, you know, um, the time I had, by the way, and, and I didn't go out the way I wanted you know, in, in insurance. I wanted to build that issue really big. Yeah. Um, it was still really valuable, great time. 
Like I don't, I don't regret it at all. I, I think I had a great run. I think we had a great run at our agency and uh, the time was over. It was time to move on and it was time to do something for it. And so here I am today. Yeah. And, and with that experience, so building your business today, doing the right thing, which Abe and I both resonate with word of mouth is amazing. And if you can take care of people, it's crazy how it just comes back around and, you know, using the experience in the winery, is there anything that if you were building an agency today, what's the first thing would you do? Would you have a brick and mortar office? You know, what would be your approach if you're like, if I told you, Hey, you got six months to build an agency go. Yeah, so I think the, the the biggest thing you can do right now is is totally free and not harnessed by the bigger agencies, and that's social media. You know, getting online and building a presence, you know, whether it's, it's Facebook and Instagram, podcasts, things like this. Uh, the more awareness you have, the more individuals know you're in that industry, and the more respected you get, the, more, the bigger that network becomes, the easier it becomes to write business and to grow that agency. That's just bottom line. Every year you're in the industry anyway, it gets easier, right? It should get easier. You should have a bigger network. And so more world should come in, uh, more word of mouth and more happy experiences, positive experience if you're doing that right. So that's where I would start. I would start with the social media side. I, I, Nate, I've told you this years ago, but I would also be looking at, okay, what's my opportunity to acquire mm -hmm. agencies? And I don't mean bad agencies because there are good and bad agencies, uh, <laughs> right? But I'm talking agencies whose principles line up with yours and that are just looking for a transition plan. And a lot of agents don't have uh, a, a plan to transition or sell their business uh, and, and move on. I think there's some opportunity there still, like look at agencies that aren't being called up by these monstrosities of, of uh, private equity. Um, so I, I think that's something, but... You know, to be honest, on the, the first first part is is going out and just making it known that you're an insurance. I would do that via social media. Um, I, I said the experience we provide at the winery is no different than the experience people want from an agent. It's the same with building. When you look at, okay, Dan, how do people know about your your winery and, and how do you get good word of mouth? How do you get reviews? Um, we put ourselves out there, right? We put uh, creative posts out. Um, we're active online on social media. Um, we also encourage uh, what would be the equivalent of our, of our clients, but they're mostly our, our friends and customers. Uh, we encourage them to post their experience, right? Because you can listen to me all day long talking about how great uh, the Sycamore Winery is. It's awesome, by the way. Um, but when someone you know that's not me post their pictures outside one of our lakes or out on our grounds or on one of our balconies, mm -hmm. like that's powerful. Mm -hmm. And they're going to believe them 10 times over what they believe coming from my mouth. Cause I'm biased. Uh, but when you see someone else in your network posting it and it's positive of the experience, whether it's buying insurance or it's taking a sip of wine, that is powerful. It's the same model that TripAdvisor uses that Amazon uses on reviews. You whether you like it or not, as a consumer, will take other individuals' recommendations and you'll run with them and you'll be raving fans of who the mass likes. So from an agency perspective, if you can get that critical mass from individuals, that's your, that's your pipeline right there coming right to you. 
Yeah. It's way better yeah. when the, when the phone rings and it's uh, somebody who's talked to somebody who's been taken care of than you calling somebody else. So yeah. uh, that's way better. And so using the social media, you, you're building a brand. I follow the, your winery on Facebook and Instagram. Is it the Sycamore winery? We'll go ahead and plug that right on Facebook. Yeah, the Sycamore winery. Yeah. So, so um, we started that winery. I, I bought ground uh, around 60 acres down in 2015. I started building in 2016. And then we opened to the public July 1st, 2017. So we've been open at that location. Uh, we're, 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 we're at uh, you know, four and a half years now. Hmm. And uh, we've had a second location. We've added on to that original uh, location, both outdoor space and production. Uh, so we're, we're, in, we're, we're in a growth mode. Uh, we're looking at 2022 and we'll add another production building. Uh, we'll probably add lodging out there on, on those grounds. So um, the same thing that you're trying to accomplish right now and, and your listeners are trying to accomplish in an agency, I'm doing the same thing with our, with our winery right now saying, okay, where, where do we go? Why do we get more people in here? And uh, so mine aren't necessarily buying, uh, buying policies, um, but they are buying an experience from us, whether it's, it's sitting out and enjoying a glass of wine by the lake or, or coming in and drinking a root beer by our lake, um, we're a family-friendly facility. We're dog-friendly. We do everything we can to get individuals out there. Um, we host uh, around 110 events every year. Um, we will double and triple up on weddings on weekends. So we are tremendously busy, uh, busting at the seams. Um, that is great, and, but we're limited by our capacity. There's only so many Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays for weddings, right? And uh, so we know that. So for us to grow, we have to sell more wine. We have to have more venue space. Um, the great thing about um, insurance, which is different than what I'm doing, is, um, is this. Um, there's a recurring revenue insurance. And Nate, I've talked to you about this. Like, why do you like, we talked about, why, Daniel, why are you in real estate? And, and why do you like insurance? I said, well, you know, with real estate insurance, the commonality is, you can write a policy and, and normally that policy is with you for a number of years. You may lose it at some point, but it's probably not going in there after year one or year two or year three. So you have the ability to create a recurring revenue stream. And the more business you write each year, the more you build, build and build and build and, and, and ladder up. And that can be almost infinite, right? Um, as long as you have some service staff to help you out, uh, you can add that service staff when you need it, by the way, you don't have to have it in on day one. But you grow your agency and, and, and then you add your staff as you keep going. Um, it's the same with real estate. Uh, it's a passive income thing where a lot of that business is going to be non-trouble business. If you write the right business, um, it's going to be non-trouble business that are good policies that will renew and that you can have a positive relationship with. Um, real estate's the same. You know, when you get into real estate and apartments or, or, you know, rentals or commercial property, um, you get a tenant in and 99% of the time, it's pretty quiet. You get your check every month, right? And um, so I'm not getting paid by the hour. Uh, an agent isn't getting paid by the hour, right? Um, which means that I'm not limited 40 hours a week or 80 hours a week in, in, in case most of the time. Um, you know, I, I'm limited by what I can write and how enthusiastic I am to build that business and go up. So that is one thing that's different than the one industry. Um you know, I'm limited a little bit by my, by my dates, my calendar, my capacity uh, with insurance. And, and I mentioned real estate too. I feel there's so much opportunity because you can 
make a tremendous living by building your book incrementally each year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a, a it's phenomenal industry because of that. Yeah. I had a mentor who told me one time, he's like an insurance we always overestimate what we can do in one year, but we underestimate what we can do in five years if we just stick with it, right? That's because right. it does, that pipeline builds up and that passive income or that recurring income, um, it starts to build up. And so year one, year two might be not quite as as uh, extravagant maybe as what you wanted, but man, if you stick with it, I, I've already seen that, you know, being here four and a half years in the industry, how that pipeline builds up. Um, if you don't mind, I'd like to transition to a couple leadership questions, right? As you're growing and leading a team. Sure, um, so sure. whether it's winery, whether it's agents, um, you know, you're leading a team and you're leading them towards a common goal, right? You're trying to keep everybody motivated for growth. Um, how do you keep, I guess, your team members or your agents um, focused towards the goal and everybody's morale up so that everybody's working towards the same thing? You don't have splinters off because maybe somebody else isn't as motivated as you or the next person. How do you lead a team of that size and effectively do it? <laughs> yeah, so so I'll talk small agency first. You know, when we were when I was at my small agency, um, we obviously had financial incentives to write business, right? So uh, with a small group like that, uh, we we put incentives in to cross sell, right? So if we're in home and auto policies, we want to try to sell an umbrella policy. One because there was. Uh, first and foremost, it's the right thing to do um, to, to show somebody an umbrella policy if they need it and their coverage gaps. Uh, but number two, there's a financial incentive with any product to, to, to sell that. And then number three, the policies you have with someone, uh, the more likely they are to stay with you a longer number of years, right? Um, so there was a number of reasons that we, we, we did that. Um, not everybody's on the same page. So when, when I was having off time, we had someone else in the office that was having a really tremendous quarter or, or half a year or a year. Um, so there are always challenges with employees. I, I'll, I'll say that um, we all have different issues going on. I think um, leadership standpoint, I think one of the things I have to practice and get better at is being empathetic and having more empathy for individuals with what's going on at home. Um, because we come into our office and again, our career doesn't define us. Um, we're all dealing with something at home, with family, uh, with friends. With, um, with battling issues, whether it's socially or politically, where it is, um, pandemic, you know, this is weighing on us all differently. So um, there's got to be a level of empathy there with employees as well. And, uh, and at the same time, trying to motivate and, and lead them to do the right thing, which we tried to do. What I'll say is a bigger challenge uh, at the, the winery. Um, you know, my position at the winery is... Um, a lot of different hats. So uh, I'm responsible for growth. I'm responsible for strategic planning. I'm responsible for finding the money and financing. Uh, I'm responsible for financials. All of those things I do. But the bigger picture, my employees really don't care about any of that, right? That is not their concern. My employees are coming in to serve individuals and give them a positive experience. Um, so what we can do to help them out is provide them training, Right. We want to talk to them about how do you pour wine? Right. How do you greet somebody when they were in the world? These are the same principles as in an agency. Um, you know, smiling, making eye contact with someone, say hello, uh, maybe shaking a hand if you can do that right now. Like yeah. those go a long way. And we do that. Uh, we do that same thing at the winery where um, I'll relate this to insurance. But, but I have I have really three main things that are, are original that I tell individuals um, that, that, that we have. 
and it defines our experience. But you should turn into our driveway and you should look at our building and you should be blown away. I can't believe this is out here. It's so close to Terre Haute, but it looks like a different world. Mm. You should walk into our lobby and you should see our tasting room and our event space and you should be blown away. And you should again think, this is amazing. I can't believe this is here in our town. You should walk out onto our back patio. You should look at our lakes and you should be blown away again. And you should say, I can't believe this is here. This is awesome. If we do that, and if we actually look up and smile and greet somebody, no matter how that wine actually tastes, our customers are gonna taste it and it's gonna be the best wine they've ever drank because we've already defined their whole experience by capturing that. So our employees really have a very small part to do there, right? In that experience, they need to be cordial to someone. They need to say hello. And from there, the rest is easy um, because we've already captured them with the building, the, the, the building when they're driving up with the space side and with the patio space. All of that leads up to this whole experience where um, just like if you're with a client, you go in on a positive note, hey, I did great things for so-and-so, there's a good chance you're going to like that business. Yeah. Um, there's a good chance when we provide that experience for our customers, they're going to rave about us online and we're going to pick up two more customers from their rave reviews. It's the exact same principle uh, on, on wine and insurance. Um, so you know, go back to the original question and you ask, how do you motivate and lead your employees? Yeah. A lot of that is, all of our personalities are different. Um, we have individuals that are more mature and that are younger. And um, sometimes it's just matching those individuals up with maybe a particular event. We have some events that we say we should put certain people on because, hey, this is an older individual. They would like this person. Um, and so we do that. But, but really, um, outside of that, how we can motivate employees is also my job. And one way we can do that is to say, we're going to compensate you uh, fairly. You're going to have an awesome work environment, right? Because our work environment is honestly fun, right? And the cool thing about our work environment is most of the individuals, I would say 99.9% .9 of the individuals that come to our business are there for a good time. They're not there to, you know, to have a bad time or to complain. They're, they're, they're out relaxed with their friends and their family. Um, so we can do that for them and provide a good work environment. And then the next one comes back on me. I need to provide them the opportunity to make more income via tips. And so how do I do that? I have to be planning on how do we book more events? <laughs> how do we get more people in the door on Friday and Saturday night? Um, how do we have bigger events and how to grow, right? So next year, how do we build on? And how does adding a deck on a lake with seating for 40 more people? translate into more tips in their pocket. That's on me, right? Um, so if doing my job as their leader and, and their, um, their CEO, if you want to call it, um, they should be happy about that, right? They should be leaving on, on Thursday and Friday and Saturday night saying, hey, this is awesome. Uh, we also do little things, you know? We, we, we're there, you know, I was there with my crew last Saturday and Sunday, uh, both days working events side by side with them right? I'm washing dishes. I'm cleaning bathrooms. I'm doing everything that our crew does, I do. Mm -hmm. um, and that goes a long way, I think, with, with team too, right? I mean, they know I'm not going to tell them to do it and, and 
I want to do it. Because if I tell them to do it, you better believe I'm going to be doing it too. Uh, and most of the time I'm showing them how to do it and, or my wife and them how to do it. Um, so I think that goes a, a long way with motivating the team too. And most of our team been with us for a very long time and, uh, and we're happy. And, and, and so what we're doing obviously works. Um, we're growing, we're adding individuals. So, uh, you know, confident in our, in our process. Uh, but I, I do think we have a long way to go too with, uh, you know, how do we get better? Right. I mean, how do we, how do, how do we keep selling up? You know, and uh, so we do have a plan for 2022 right now. We're, you know, we're obviously working on a long time, but our employees don't see that, uh, the, the backside of it. But my plan for them is I want you to have more people here, right? I want you to take more tips. I want you to take more money home to your family. Um, so that's in a long answer. That's how I look at motivating our team. I love that. I want to go back to what you said there. And it's, I think that's the key, a key piece of advice for everybody. You said it's not the employee's job to worry about the big picture. That's your job. And so many times what I see in insurance is people at the top can try to make it their employees or their agents responsibility to worry about big picture. And what you said there was provide fair compensation, an opportunity to make more income and a great work environment. Right. Yeah. I think that's so huge. It's so simple, but so huge because so many people overlook it. I know the practice company I came from, man, so many times you heard, hey, we got to grow, grow, grow. So that's your responsibility to go out and make it grow. And then you would see the leaders out, you know, working 15 hours a week instead of actually helping figure out the big picture. And I loved that. Take that pressure off of your agents. Um, it's our job, right? We're Nate, me and you, we're the, we're the owners, we're the founders. That's our job to worry about. Compensate them fairly and uh, give them a chance to make the income they want for their family. I love that. So. And, and, you know, teams and a lot of individuals, they're looking someone to lead them. I mean, honestly, they're, they're looking for someone to support and to get behind and say, like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm confident that that person can lead me. And, um, you know, so there's no shortage of people looking to, to get behind causes, whether, you know, especially with, like, we want to be part of a winning, right? I mean, your team wants to be part of a winning team. My team wants to be part of a winning team. Um, how I know this because we'll hear jokes. I'll hear jokes and they'll make jokes with me even about competitors. I'm a very competitive person, but in the wine industry, a lot of, a lot of wineries work together. Um, you better believe my crew makes jokes about um, our competitors, not bad jokes about them, but <laughs> jokes to me about, you know, Hey, you know, so-and-so is creeping up on you. I saw this post or they're doing this. What do you think about that? But that let me know, like they want me to be competitive and they want to win too. Um, they want to support me and they want me to be fired up about, well, if they're doing that, we need to do this, right? How do we, how do we be better? Um, you know, I was talking uh, a few months ago, uh, one of the, well, the largest here in Indiana sold out to private equity, you know, and um, I don't think most of my employees know what private equity is. Or, or, you know, like what we mean they sold out. And I'm like, well, you know, big invest group came and bought them. And, and um, for me, that's huge. That's hugely motivating because I'm sitting back saying, well, how do I sell out to private equity at some point? Right. I have a million miles to go. But um, my discussion with them is, man, wouldn't that be cool if we can grow so much that we people knocking on our door saying we want to buy you? Um, I mean, that, that's just uh, amazed me. That's motivation for me. Right. Um, but the big picture is like, like you say, I mean, you can, 
use a very simple plan of compensating people fairly, um, treating with respect and treating them fairly, and giving them some opportunities and like a nice work environment. And that's really all it takes. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, so what are some resources that you've uh, consumed from books to podcasts over the years and that, that have really helped you scale or kind of change your mindset? Because I, I know for us, me and Abe, we're both readers and I always read something and it, it's weird. It just kind of changes your perspective and you go from doing one thing and you're like, I need to focus on this. So can you share some of those? Yeah. Um, so Nate, I don't feel you, if you remember several years ago, but you actually introduced me to a site called blogging for books. Yeah. It's not around anymore. Do you remember that? <laughs> um, and, and, and you used to write a, you write a review, you regress a book and you write a, write a review online. Um, but you know what reading and I, I think reading one, but, uh, two podcasts and then, um, actually audio books is, is very important. And um, I think it can sometimes help you out where you're at in your position in life, wherever that may be, or it may change your outlook on, on things. So, so for me, what I'll throw out there is um, I, I consume a ton of content via audiobooks because I know on morning drive, let me go back. I, I preach this to my classes that I teach. Um, we waste a tremendous amount of time during our day, a tremendous amount. And I set because normal things that we're doing, we could actually do other stuff along with them. And I say, the morning drive, what are you doing? You're listening to music. That's great space. But like on a lot of days, why don't you consume some content that will move you forward, right? So listen to the Jay-Z drive-in. That's great. And it's really motivating some days, but it's not for every day. Um, I should be consuming actual valuable content that will help me. Um, so podcast, audios. When I'm walking across campus, those after 10 or 15 minutes multiplied by five days a week times 52 weeks a year or 48 weeks a year, that's a lot of time. Um, working out on the trail, lifting, all of those things, you can actually consume content that is beneficial for you. It can be motivating it can be inspirational. Uh, you know, you could go whatever angle you want. But I think you should do it. And that's why I say we waste a lot of time. I like I evaluated myself on my time off and said, what am I doing? I'm sitting here listening to music for an hour and a half when I'm working out. You know how many books I could consume over a month if I actually took that time and listened to it? I mean, it, it's insane. And and so I'll normally do around five books a month just on audiobooks. Mm. You, you know, you you do the math over the year. That's a lot of content. Mm. Um on top of that, I would read. So, so here's a few that I'll throw out that I think are really helpful for me. Um, I, I, I read several years ago, um, The Miracle Morning. It's, it's a book by Hal Elrod, right? There's nothing magical in it other than Hal says, you know what? You should structure your morning and you should do positive things. And his positive things, he lists seven. But for me, my positive were really three, three things. I need to, to read. I call them three hours, but they're not three hours. I need to read, to run, and to write. Yeah. And, and you don't have to do it for a tremendously long time each morning. But for me, I can get up and run on my treadmill, right? Um, I can read. And I don't mean Facebook read. 
I mean, actually read an article <laughs> uh, or a book. So it's helpful for me to have a book out where I can, and 10 minutes on a book, you don't get much, but that 10 minutes each day is a lot. And then I can write, so it can be a reflection on what happened that day, um, something funny that happened or what's going on. I'm excited because my daughter has crying free tonight and it's going to be awesome, right? Um, it can be anything like that. But those are my three hours for like the morning. My, my, if, if I'm looking at a morning ritual, the, most, the times that I'm most productive in my life, I'm getting up and I, I make an effort to do those, what I call the three hours, even though it's RRW. Um, read, run, write. That's helpful for me. It's different for everybody. Um, but I think you should consider that. Um, so that book kind of changed my outlook. You mentioned book changing your outlook and I evaluated like, what am I doing in the morning? I just get up and, and like kind of veg out and, and sit there until I get ready. It's, it's, it, it was a tremendous waste of time. Um, so there's that. What I would say from, um, from podcast, I love to listen to how I built this with Guy Raz. Um, I love his podcast. I listen to Tony Robbins. I listen to Gary V. Um, I listen to, um, uh, free comics, uh, radio, um, different pods like that. I listen to, and I really bounce around a lot so I can hear different perspectives, Joe Rogan experience. Right. Um, so I listen from the wildly insane to really, this is how startups work, or this is how this industry is functioning right now. I listen to all of that. And that's helpful for me, um, also to get different perspectives, right. Um, from, from books, I'll tell you, if I looked at last year and I said, what were my favorite books? loved shoe dog phil knight story right you got nike and and how they came about you want like grit and hustle like listen read that book um bad blood for the silicon valley stuff you know you look at theranos the company and you, you look at how silicon valley really works and um that was one of my favorite uh uh book last year um I, i'm probably like everybody on 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 other but i like a lot of the the motivational books and business books. That's what I normally focus myself on. Um, and I say that because it helps me stay where I'm trying to stay in my lane in life, like productive. Mm -hmm. um, I don't get into, uh, you know, I think that the, the, the most serious book I, I, um, I got into last year was Midnight at Chernobyl. It's a story of Chernobyl, right? Fascinating. It'll never help me advance my life at all. Uh, um, but it was a tremendously interesting book of how the Soviet Union worked and how the accident at Chernobyl could have been prevented and wasn't and the lives lost and why it's important in the nuclear industry. And um, so consuming content like that actually helps me and and uh, kind of keeps me going each day. I normally do. Like I say, I can normally um, I can normally go through uh, books five to six a month. And, uh, and it helps, it, it really helps you grow as a person. Let me say that if you are younger and you're looking, how do I grow consumption of knowledge is amazingly huge. Um, I'll throw this out there too, because it's tremendously helpful for me. Most libraries now with a library card, give you access to free book downloads, audiobooks online. So if you go into your library. There's a good chance they'll tell you, download this app and you can get all the free books you want. You don't have to pay for a service like Audible. So that's how I consume so many books every month too. 
Um, I use two platforms, one called Libby, L-I-B-B-Y. It's offered through our public library, but a lot of public libraries. Um, there's a few others that are very popular. So if you're looking at audiobooks because you don't like to read or it's just I get headaches from reading or whatever it may be, audiobooks are a great way. Also, you speed that content up, right? You don't listen at one time speed. If you're able to listen to 1.25, 1.5, 1.75 speed, you can consume a lot of content. Yeah. Yeah, we are what we consume, right? We know that physically, but a lot of times we forget that mentally. Yes. Uh, what we consume, you know, we sit down, we veg out in front of the TV or Facebook or Instagram and all that does, man, is just wear you down for the day, for sure. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> well, hey, anything our listeners at our local should know, any events coming up at the winery you want to plug and uh, get out there? You know, we've been really quiet. Um, we had our biggest year of, uh, we went to pandemic last year, obviously, and um, um, to talk the goods and the bads, we added a second location downtown Terre Haute. It's about 30,000 square feet. It was a big investment for us. Uh, great store location, really, really cool. We cut the ribbon Friday, March 13th, which coincidentally was the day of the governor's order to close all businesses. And so we cut our ribbon and closed down for months. Um, there, our winery was actually lumped with bars, uh, in, in terms of classifications within the state. So the state told us we had to close. Uh, we closed all inside operations for four months, but we canceled every event we had. Uh, for most of the year, we canceled uh, every event we had because we had to. And um, But during that time, we had about a, a week and a half. We were actually closed. closed. And that week and a half, my wife and I had conversations about um, what do we do with our staff? You know, do we keep them on? Do we not keep them on? And what we did was uh, during that time, we wiped down baseboards. We did what you have to do to make it a small business. Bring people in. We're not going to send them home. We're going to keep paying them. We made that choice. We said we'd ride it out as long as we could. And it was the right choice to make. Uh, but we went into a uh, curbside pick, which we, we were actually allowed to do. Um, so I mentioned the, the power of online and uh, social media. Um, via social media, during pandemic, um, we opened curbside pickup only, no inside sales because we weren't allowed to legally. Curbside pickup only, Wednesday through Saturday, 2 p.m. to 7 p.m., we would put a post out the night before of our, our slushy flavors for the next day, wine slushies. Hmm. We would sell out within an hour and a half, two hours, we'd sell out 1,500 slushies wow. like nothing. And they would add add on bottles, add on chocolates, things like that. Um, all totally free. We're never paying for ads. We'd put out a post every night. Our, our like fans knew at 7 p.m. we would put out a post. If it was 7.05 and we didn't put out a post, we got 50, 50 messages from people saying, what are the flavors for tomorrow? So we would do that and we'd pre-sell. We had our biggest sale of wine we've ever had, our, our biggest sales uh, actually last year during pandemic. And we would average, and these numbers blow me away, um, but we could do 80 to $1,000 a month being closed in wine slushies. Um, phenomenal when you consider our wineries in Western Ho, a town 2,000. Yeah. Terre Haute's about 58,000. So we're not a big metropolitan area. Um, we're a small community, but we would get people, fans coming in from an hour, two hours away that just wanted to get and drive and uh, visit us every day. That was the power of social media. Um, so um, what I'd say is we built our base probably pretty stronger last year. We need that to go into this next year. So you ask what's on the horizon. Um, I'll tell you, 
we as as a as a company try to do right by our employees and our community. Um, we felt like we needed to to shut down all events. Um, we we canceled our two biggest making events uh, even this year, um, even though we were open. Uh, we canceled our biggest events because we knew there was potential that um, that individuals may not act responsibly, and we didn't want to as a company be responsible for individuals getting sick. Um, so we canceled. Um, what I'll say is we'll bring those back next year. You know, 2022, unless something drastically changes, we'll have a Labor Day event with 2,000 people. We'll have fireworks with 2,500 people. Um, those are the things we'll bring back for 2022 that I'm super excited about. Um, as a small company, I think this goes a long way for growing. And, and we're talking about scaling. Daniel, how do you scale up? Why do people like you? Um, you can apply this in your agency. We do everything we do with, uh, you know, we're here to make profit. Obviously, I have bills to pay. Uh, you know, my wife and I have a family and things to pay for. But um, when we do our events, we don't charge a cover charge. Uh, we don't charge someone to get in to watch, uh, you know, a, a $5,000 fireworks show that we put on. You can come and bring a lunch to your family and um, you can buy an ice water for a dollar or not buy anything for, for all we care. Uh, what we care about is you're coming here. You have the ability to come there. Um, our community, we, we don't have a, a high median in, income in our community. And what I know from, from my youth when I was growing up, if there was a $2 cover charge, um, my family wouldn't have been able to go to it. We wouldn't be able to watch those fireworks. That's just the reality. You know, there are four of us kids and two parents. That would have been 12 bucks. Most people would laugh that off and say, you're, you're ridiculous, Daniel. No, that's the reality of where we're at. So um, <laughs> we're here to give back to the community. And it seems like the more we've done that, um, it doesn't seem like it's logical. It's, it's, this is actually real life. The more you do that, um, and we're trying to intrinsically be good to people, like the more it, it comes back to you. And it's the same in insurance. I, I felt the same in insurance. Like the more we tried to help people, which is also a cool thing about insurance, like you're helping people, right? Not every day, you're not paying out a claim every day and solving that problem every day, but you are a lot. People get accidents, right? It's a stressful time for them. People have houses burned. People have dramatic, like really traumatic uh, incidents in their life. And you as their agent can be there. Um, I think that's phenomenal. So. To go, I, I'm getting off track, but what I'm what I'm excited about at 2022 is we're excited to bring events back, man. We're we're uh we're excited to rock it and to grow and to to hire more people in 2022 and and really see what we can do. Yeah, and that's just really cool that during the pandemic you found a solution. You didn't just quit and lay people off. You're like, how can we figure out a way? And I think when you're solving problems like that, it just shows that you're dedicated to you know, improving. And that's just, that's really cool that you guys were able to stay afloat and doing things to produce revenue. Yeah. So, so we were, I say, we, when I say we, I'm going to most of this on my wife. I think my wife worked about 36 hours straight. This is no lie. Probably 36 hours straight, putting up a website that functionally could handle our, our orders for wine slushies that was visually appealing and that was user-friendly. She mm -hmm. sat there at our location, at a computer, that many hours straight setting this up, knowing that we have to make this work. Because mm -hmm. if we don't, we got to have that hard conversation with our employees. Some point that says, we don't have any money, right? And then they got to go back to their family and say, I don't have a job. And so um, 
she really like put her, her nose down at that point, created a, a site that was great. Um, also, I should say created a site out of resources. You know, we're not, we have a pretty good amount of sales, but, but we're not like a deep pocketed company where we can go to a, a designer and a web company and say, do this. Sarah designs all our stuff. She puts all of our stuff up. We spend the hours doing it. Our team sees that. Too. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that was our, that was our pivot during pandemic. People, people talk about their different pen, uh, pivots and, uh, and, and that was ours. And what we figured out is, man, people love wine slushies. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I really appreciate your time, Daniel. We've taken up more time than what I, I expected to. I really appreciate you doing this. I've learned a lot. I've got paid notes here. Um, so I really appreciate it. Sure. Um, anything else, Nate, that you have? No, I just, yeah, thanks. And this is, I mean, I think this is practical advice that anybody can take and that I'm for sure going to take. And I just appreciate all the feedback, being open and being transparent to sharing that information and giving back, I mean, that's the point of this podcast is giving back and giving content to people that can expand their business. So it's, uh, it's hopefully this echoes in the industry. Yeah. You know, I'm excited for you both. I'm, I'm still tremendously excited about insurance, uh, you know, for, for individuals like yourself that are going to agencies. I, I think it's awesome. I think it's great to see um, the podcast coming out and offering content. Um, I think it's also great for state in our region like to be able to grow this industry, particularly in Indiana, and um, and to show kind of something that can be really really huge for us. So uh, I'm excited. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where you guys are at in five years and ten years. It's going to be really cool. Yeah. Well, don't forget, everybody, find uh, Sycamore Winery first on social media. Like and follow them, and then don't forget to like and follow the Insurance Disruptors. Nate, we're on what? Facebook, LinkedIn, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Where else are we? YouTube. Yep. So we're anywhere where you can listen to anything. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, guys, crush the week this week for yourself. And uh, if we at the Insurance Disruptors can do anything to help you, message us, reach out to us. We're more than happy to help. So have a great week, everybody.